Hey folks, welcome back to the DC. Uh, we are recording, right? <laughs> I, just realized we don't I don't know. Uh, I don't think. I don't think we are. Yeah, no, we, are. we are. are. Okay. Right. We are. Okay. Yeah. You're the man. You're you're the man at the knobs. No, I know. I just I I panicked for a second and thinking we weren't recording. So let's not start over. Let's keep all of this. Okay. Uh, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me as always are Vincent Zach. Uh, we're here to talk about the books that came out on uh, July fifth, twenty twenty two, starting with Batman number one twenty five, written by Chip Zdarsky, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Vince, you are on record as not being a Zdarsky guy in general, uh, at least from his Marvel work. So I'm interested to start with you and what you thought of his first issue of the Batman. Well, with reservations, I really dug this one. Um, I don't think it was mind blowing. There's nothing here that has me like super intrigued about where this is all going, but I really dug the tone. I think Zadarsky nailed the sort of tone that I'm looking for, uh, with Batman. Um, and that's a good, that's as good a start as you're going to get, because I think in comics these days, you know, like we're, we're engineered to expect. I, I don't know how long this arc is supposed to be. Do we know? Did it say? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Let me look. Let me look. You, you, you keep talking. Sure. I'll investigate. Okay. But you know, we've run into so many times on this show where we judge an arc off of its first issue, and maybe I won't speak for you guys, but but I find myself overly concerned with plot. Sometimes when I when I'm when I recognize that I shouldn't be, you know, I should save that those criticisms for maybe a few issues in or whatever. But I think right from the jump, he nails the tone that I want. And I think that that's that's pretty important. Um, And by that, I mean, like, there's a little bit of darkness, there's a little bit of brooding, but there's some tongue in cheek. There's some like. Hey, uh, Bruce, you haven't gotten to be Bruce for a while, you know, like Mm -hmm. kind of a little self-awareness about how sometimes we spend too much time with Batman in the darkness. Maybe this means Zdarsky's going to play around with the Bruce persona a little bit more than we have been. Again, like I feel like that's an idea that pops up with every new writer and then it gets dropped in favor of just more Batman. Right. <laughs> but I like the way Zdarsky uses the Bruce persona here. I love the way Penguins Incorporated. I love that it's just Danny DeVito. Uh, Pengu- Penguins Incorporated, the new <laughs> bat book coming this fall. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I- I'm here for it. Um, uh, I-, I just think the the stuff in the beginning about you know dreaming of the three jokers and he says something like my my dream <laughs> I, I love it because it's kind of nonsense when he's like i dream to piece together a mystery about my future <laughs> it's just so like like i hope zadarsky knows how kind of silly that From is the future of or what is it what's the twin peaks thing oh um, oh yeah oh fuck um I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. That's what it made me think of, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I so so for right now, this is hitting the tone that I want. And I hope I hope the story becomes more interesting, but I but I'm willing be, because the tone is right and the visuals are so good, 
I think this is, you know, we've had a lot of Jorge Jimenez Batman over the last couple of years. And I think, I don't know if this is better than his recent output. I, I don't want to say that because like his output is generally so good, you know, but I think just like, I love the, I love the Danny DeVito penguin design and, and, and Jorge really leans into that. And I don't know. It's, it's like a refining of, of all of his artistic techniques. I feel that's just getting better and better over time. Um, and, and how this just nailed, like his art is just nailing the tone too. I feel like that opening page where Bruce wakes up from that Joker dream and he's got like the sun beaming into this dark room and he's waking up and getting out of bed. That's just a different sort of, there's like, there's like a part where he's Bruce but a shadow is being cast over his eyes. And he says, this city need or his narration is this city needs me to go to work. And it's casting, like he's not wearing the cowl, but it's casting the cowl over his face, basically just really neat visual techniques being used here. Um, that, that, that nail the tone that Zdarsky's going for, I think. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll quit babbling, but, so far, I'm I'm really digging what they've got going here. Just just so we don't forget it, I, I could not find how many issues this arc is, but I did find I awoke from that dream realizing I had subconsciously gained knowledge of a de- of a detective technique involving mind body coordination, <laughs> operating hand in hand with the deepest level of intuition. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yes, he, he's just doing the coop dream from uh, the <laughs> technique from season one, episode three of Twin Peaks. Unfortunately, he's not hanging upside down in his closet when he does it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I I more or less agree with you, Vincey. I think that this was first of all. I think that the Jimenez art, like there are definitely parts of this where it's where you're reminded this is where Jimenez. It doesn't look unlike his stuff, but he is really good at. I think him one of Jimenez's best skills as an artist is he is very good at matching the tone of the script that he is given. And so there are parts in this that look like Jimenez put through the Zadarsky filter in a way that I don't know if other artists would necessarily tailor their work so specifically. There's one shot in particular where Bruce is waking up from that dream and we see him sitting on the bed and there's light coming in the room. And that shot, the composition of that whole page does not look like anything we've really seen Jimenez do before. And there's a number of pages like that in the book where it's just, He's just taking things a little bit differently than he normally would. I'm not sure how much of that is maybe uh, I, I'm trying to think who, how often he's worked with. Um, like, I think he worked with Tamu Moray a number of times. I yeah, during the Tinyan run, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think it's even necessarily a change in colorist. It's just he's doing really, really nice work here. I, I do think that this this maybe kind of sort of borders on uh too grimdark in parts um but not like not terribly so right just uh just maybe it maybe a hair more than i would that i would like in in certain parts but i think that more or less he he does something here that feels just different and yet super familiar like this feels different than the other 
bat books we've gotten recently, but none of this feels totally outside of like the Batman realm, right? This fits in the overarching bat mythos, but it's just a little bit of a different twist. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I did very much enjoy Danny DeVito uh, Penguin. I'm sad that this is the last we're going to see of Danny DeVito Penguin, at least for a while. <laughs> at um, least until Penguin Incorporated. Yes, exactly. Starts. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to me that you have the grimdark vibes because I, I feel like I have a pretty sensitive grimdark sensor. Like mm. I, I, I'm very sensitive to that kind of thing. And I, I didn't get that vibe from this. So. There's a couple of moments that I feel like it, it, it falls into, I guess like uh, the themes and the, the events are kind of that, but yeah, I think it, the art keeps me from having that response oh, if that makes sense I, yeah i agree with that but like for instance th- th- there's one part in particular where it just felt like a, a total knockoff of the nolan movies grim dark tone where uh the good the crook says i swear to god and then bretman says not god not even close <laughs> like that sort of stuff just like you know can can border on the on the, on that line for me okay Okay, I can see that. Um, Swear to me. Exactly. Yeah. See, I think I think that stuff is just funny. Uh, <laughs> to, to me, that's not even. That's just. Uh, that, that's almost camp to me. In a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I don't have a lot more to say on top of what you guys have said necessarily. I, I pretty much agree with you. I think um, there were a few things that you didn't mention that. Um, maybe kind of turned me, I won't say turned me off, but had me kind of like rolling my eyes. Uh, and it was not the three Joker thing. I, I was hooting and hollering at that. Um, I'm a little, and I, I was kind of put off by the Bruce and Selena bit at the beginning of the issue um, where it's like, I guess, is that supposed to be that, um, that thief from the yeah. Amy Howard run that we all think is dumb? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As, and like Belmont, Belmont, yeah. So it's just like, oh, okay, so we're really, they're really like not going to be together. We're, they're never going to be together. It's like never going to happen. And, unless, know, maybe, unless, maybe unless a, he might be he's... taking it further down the line, but uh, I'm just so tired of that, you know? Yeah. Like we've been doing this song and dance since the Tom King run. Correct. Like yeah. seven years now or six, whatever. Uh, and it's just like so tired, I think. Um, but um, that and other uh, the the rest of the issue I really enjoyed. I like the thing about uh, you know we 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 talk about like comics how they kind of like to be topical and and uh, you know the conversation about uh, wealth distribution and inequality is is kind of tackled in a in an interesting way here. Of course, it is always the villains. Uh, who are really fighting for wealth inequality. Uh, so, you know, say what you will about that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But uh, I like I liked it all. I really didn't even mind, you know, some of the like more like grimdark stuff. Like I think the first, when I, when I flipped through it and saw the scene where Tim gets shot through the throat, I was just like, oh, that's a little bit much. But I, I feel like the way the story handles it, it actually works really well especially with like the flashbacks with the stuff with jason i thought that stuff was all pretty well written um and i was really with the issue until the last couple of pages where you circle back around to the the like blinking light from the dream and you have this like weird 
robot machine thing in the cave. And I, I just felt like that felt so divorced and kind of like a weird non sequitur from everything else that was going in the, on in the story and almost just like one thing too much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that I, if uh, you know, I, like you said, Vince, not to get too much caught up in the plot with this just being the first issue, but I would, I think I would have a better feeling about where the story was going. If maybe that, extra scene hadn't been tacked on because now it's just like, okay, Zadarsky is going to be juggling these two threads and, and only one of them I'm really interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's kind of how I felt too. That's yeah. I, I'm trying to reserve judgment on the plot, but that's more or less how I felt about that too. Yeah. I mean, that last scene could very well be interesting. It, it could it, be. It could it, be. It could be, but it could also be a giant waste of time. Yeah. In the context of this scene, this first issue, though, it it definitely wasn't to me. You know, mm-hmm. um, love that we had Bruce fighting in his in his dress his dress yes. clothes, dress clothes with cape uh, with cowl and uh, and uh, belt utility belt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that felt like uh, that felt very like like my my uh kind of like what i think of with like 70s and 80s batman comics like that that feels like something out of that to me yeah uh, instead like, instead of shirtless batman with the cowl yeah. with the with the right. mask yeah, on yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's fun um uh more more clayface character assassination is bad um, although he does he he does like essentially do the right thing here Oh, right, because Bruce essentially threatens to th- blow him up if he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I I mostly really enjoyed this issue. I, you know, I think I'm a bit higher on Zdarsky than Vince is, and probably probably pretty close to where Brian is. Maybe even I, a little I, bit. I don't higher. really have an opinion on him, actually. Okay, then maybe I maybe I like him the most. Uh, so I hope this run is good. I, I, I'm really kind of hopeful that between this and, and tech, we're entering like a Batman comics renaissance, but it's almost too much to hope. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a little bit, I, I feel like here's my fear. My fear is that the ROM V uh, detective arc which is like operatic in nature is essentially when he does his tom king jump the shark moment <laughs> like, that's my fear is that this is him like going above and beyond where he like going outside of his lane essentially and doing something that's bombastic and possibly bad well you know if nothing else we have a we've got the size spurrier arc to look through look forward oh, to no no <laughs> yeah no thank you um i'm going to uh slightly bend the rules here and we're going to do uh our next book out of order because i think we have more to say about the middle book than we will about this one. well we didn't want to talk about the catwoman backup oh i'm or... sorry i totally forgot about that. My <laughs> well i also forgot to read it <laughs> oh no okay. I, I read it for us to uh, uh so zach here's all you need to know uh there's really good art uh by 
Belen Ortega. It is written by Zadarsky. It is a Catwoman story, and it involves a very large robot lawyer. We do love robot lawyers, I think. We do. Yep. Vince, and is I got a lawyer better than a robot lawyer. Um, a Birdman lawyer. No, that's good, but that wasn't what I was thinking of. Oh. I was thinking of an unfrozen caveman lawyer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I don't understand your Gotham City with your... <laughs> <laughs> criminals and masked vigilantes. Anyway, I'm go ahead. Just a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I was just going to say this one. This one, I had the opposite um, feelings about the story than I did about the 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 proper Batman story, which is that um, I wasn't vibing with the tone of this one at all. Even though the art the art was quite good, but I. I couldn't get a handle on what the tone was going for, how serious I was supposed to take any of this or, or whatever until the robot lawyer shows up at the end and you reveal like what the point of the story is, which then I immediately bought in. I was like, Oh, okay. I want to see where this goes. Um, Which is that, (laughs) which is that, the robot lawyer is tasking Selena for, for a big paycheck to go around and read the penguins will to his like eight children around, around the world or whatever, which means that penguin Fox. <laughs> yep. He spills more seed than a blind parakeet. Well, we knew that from the Danny DeVito written uh, yes. story. Um where he's mean, together with Pat, with Catwoman. So right. So what does that mean? One of the kids could be Selena's. Oh, that would be great. No. Oh wouldn't. man. <laughs> that that's the only. Yes, I want that. It's like the new Downton Abbey movie. I'll only find out that uh, Danny DeVito Penguin left <laughs> Selena a, a villa in the south of France, and she has to go there. <laughs> Yes. I don't know what the plot of the new uh That's the plot. That's the plot. Who left who, le- who who left uh, it? Uh Violet. It, oh, it the Dowager left, left it. The dow- the Dowager, it was left to the Dowager. Oh, it was left to her. But she's about to die, probably. Well, spoilers. Oh, she does die? I can't no, I'm not gonna tell you. Oh. I just think it's funny because it okay, this is I mean this very like um I hope this doesn't come off as insensitive, but don't you feel like every time they do a Downton thing, they make sure that the Dowager's last scene could maybe be the last scene that Maggie Smith ever films. Yeah, no, I think they do that. I think they do that. Um, Yeah. I mean, I hope she lives forever, but you know, we need to, we, we need to start uh, Downton Downton Abbey podcast soon. Yes. Yep. The Downton the Downton Three cast, right? Have, Can we interest the, you in? I've never Down- seen an episode of the Downton Abbey. In it's many ways, that might be the best. We we make Brian watch a the episode of Downton Abbey, sight unseen, and then we talk about it. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. If we I had bet, to pick th- one that, episode of Downton Abbey to show Brian, which okay, one would it time be? Time out though. This is Prime Patreon content, so Patreon.com/slash/dc3cast. Maybe this will happen. <laughs> Maybe. The, the one to show him is like the first one with Matthew, I feel like. To start okay. with. Okay. Okay. I think that's fair. 
he kind of he he comes in and kind of kicks the show up a little bit. I feel he does, and he he doesn't come in until like the third or fourth episode. Yeah, man, that first season though is just it's all bangers though. <laughs> well, I mean, we might have to start at the start then. Maybe, yeah. Oh, anywho, this is like that. Yeah. All right, I believe you. Anyway, this is a good. This backup is good. The robot lawyer is excellent. The art is really, really nice. Um, I I like how this has a very different vibe from the main Batman story. It's a little bit nutty to me that there's a Catwoman backup in a Batman book when there's a Catwoman book also being published right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm cool with it. Yeah, I don't mind it actually. Um, especially when you think about how many Batman things are published it's like we can definitely have more than one Catwoman thing going on Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely all right as I alluded to before we're gonna just jump ahead here to our our third alphabetical book which is Flashpoint Beyond number three Uh, I think it's very bold of you to think I have less to say about this book than Dark Crisis 2 just gonna put that out there (laughs) Uh, I, I, I mean, I can speak for myself, certainly, uh, in this regard. So anyway, this is written by Jeff Johns, Tim Sheridan, and uh, Jeremy Adams. And illustrated- Jeremy Hatchett. Yes, yes, Jeremy Hatchett stepping in for this. And illustrated by Zermanico and a couple of pages by Michael Janine. Um, so my my... I know that Zach wants to talk about this because there's hyper time and therefore there might be the kingdom Jonathan Kent somewhere uh, in here. But my, my overall comment in this is that I am shocked at how much this is tying into Dark Crisis. I told you, I told both of you and you thought I was you thought I was crazy. I did think I were crazy. And I, I'm I, I'm 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 happy to be wrong. Did you read the last issue, too? I did. Issue? Yes. Yes. OK. OK. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong in this case, because I do think that the only thing that makes this book sort of uh, tolerable is the sort of connection to hyper time and to the multiverse and the omniverse and all of that. So I think that all of that is interesting. I, I I think that those last two pages are like hands down the most interesting thing in the entire book. Um, each each issue the last two pages have been the most interesting thing in the book, but this is not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. That's my big, uh, that's, that's my big uh, praise of it. Not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I'm, I think. Mm, so, mm, there have been four issues of this and there have only been two issues of dark crisis, even though there really have been 20 issues of dark crisis. Uh, so far, okay. I there are parts of this that I hate that are just so dumb, and I you're don't care you're about. about to go prequels on us, aren't you? There th- there's so many things about this that I don't hate that that it's I hate. about to go full prequels. The, yeah. the, and you never you never do that. The second issue <laughs> was like really bad. Yes. I know we didn't talk about it on the episode, but just highlights. Um, uh, Harvey Dent's wife uh, two faces herself by banging her face against her cell door until half of her face is mangled and mutilated. Uh, Bruce pounds on Flashpoint versions of the rogues while narrating what Thomas, uh, you mean. He, Thomas, Thomas. Yeah, sorry, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, whales on whales on the rogues while um, 
describing in like medical language how how he is like maiming and dismembering them it's so overwritten it's awful um but that second issue also like name drops like the legion and future robot our man and all the like dc3 nip um but then you get to issue two or issue three i mean and i really liked all of the stuff with superman and ivy and the green and this twist on krypton and then finding out that they are the aliens who are going to be invading and if like that that could be like a series on its own and Please i don't. and i would be here for it i i think that this is i think this is cool and then you have the the stuff the hyper time stuff the the death of Aberthon and the the all the the weird just all that stuff and and i yeah i like that stuff brian is right the last two pages are good um and like this i want to say that this comic for the most part feels like the writing of the johns of old but i want to attribute that more to jeremy adams and to tim Tim sheridan yeah yeah well, I, the thing that I realized in the middle of reading this, I, I, I read issues two and three back to back because I had not read, read issue two when it came out. Same, yes. And I realized like, oh, this was supposed to be a biweekly series. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. And like, I think it would have read very differently had we been reading these every two weeks instead of once a month, which doesn't sound like a big difference, but it really is mm-hmm. in terms of the pacing of a, of a story. Um and now I'm kind of like this because with those two page sort of epilogues in each issue, they sort they nicely set up they, they, to me. They get you excited for what's coming next. Right. So you read that. Like, oh, I can't wait to read that next one in two weeks. No, nope, but a month. So it just it just feels like there's there's a weird little bait and switch thing happening at the end there each time. Um, but I mean, I, I don't disagree with a lot of what Zach said. I think the Krypton stuff is vaguely interesting. Some of the green is green is vaguely interesting. The Mrs. Dent stuff is is shit. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Yes, it's bad. Um, and, and I'll say that the Zermatical art is really good throughout all of this. Um, I felt like this is the first time that the like skinny Superman has not looked totally stupid. And that I credit that to Zermatico's art. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is just there are parts of this that are just so overwritten and parts of this that are so like doing a, a uh, Jim Halpert take to the camera of like, aren't I clever? And it's just, it's, it's bad. There are parts of this that are very, very bad, but this is not as tragic as I thought it was going to be. Although I think Vince is going to disagree with me about that. I really dislike this. Um, I think every, I think everything, Zach, I think you said something about that's DC nip or somebody said that. Zach did. Yeah. I did yeah. say that. Yeah. I think anything that you can ascribe in this comic as DC nip has now been like, it's been done too many times now. And I think, I think I don't, I'm I, I'm not falling for it. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I will only push back on that in so much as you have to say the same thing about dark crisis. Oh, I hey, have I not. I mean, <laughs> the nicest thing I said about dark crisis so far is that, I, I 
I read an issue and it was like breezy and uh, enjoy and like, like it didn't piss me off. You know, no, it is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And anytime dark crisis or, or any of those books have tried to do something that we would like, it's, it's in a way that's almost like, Hey, look, Hey, look at this. You like this, right? Like, which is, uh, yeah. Which is all, all comics are now. And um, yes, I saw someone talking about on Twitter um, specifically referencing Zermanico um, and the work that they did on uh, Black Stars with with Morrison Mm -hmm. and how everything most everything that Zermanico has done since then is work on books that are exactly what black stars was making fun of, you know, or like dunking on Mm -hmm. and like you have, um, what was it? Uh, infinite frontier Mm -hmm. and this, um, you know, and it's true. Yeah. Um, that's like what comics are now. And, and you can call me a hypocrite and I I'll say, sure. Yeah, fine. I am. Cause like we, I've soyed out on other shows about like, when, when you see the hyper time or when you see those, uh, those collages of different scenes from different eras in the DCU or whatever, all thrown together on one page. But when, when I got to the last page of this and they did the thing where there's the, the, like the crack in time thing, crack in hyper time thing. And you can see like the, the, you know, the different eras, like you see, um, the flashpoint Aquaman, you see the uh, hug yeah. from, you see the hug from DC rebirth between what, yeah, you see all this different stuff. You see the justice society table. Yes. Yeah. I, I rolled my eyes so hard because the, 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 the character on the page says hyper time was enough or hyper time has enough problems with Thomas Wayne still around. And that's supposed to be like, Oh my God, they're doing hyper time. Like that is supposed to be what that is. But we have seen that exact same page. I feel like since they did it with convergence they did it with the snyder crisis stuff the 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 metal stuff they've done that so many times now and we're we're supposed every time we're supposed to think ah they're finally doing it you, so and- you're definitely not wrong and i i do want to say that that page like does nothing for me because they have done this thing so many times and to like greater effect um like the you specifically mentioned the convergence thing which i think is the last time they did it and it no. really had any meaning oh okay oh yes okay this is the last time they did it i was no, like no, they did the it la- five times yeah then. no the last the last time they did it with any meaning um uh i, I can't really think of another time because honestly, that was the last time that it did kind of mean something because it was like uh, we were we were in all the, of that stuff. Exactly. Up. Yeah. And yep. now like yep. we now we know that they could bring back any anything at any point and it, it doesn't mean quite as much, but it, it would be cool if they did, I guess. I get the, the hyper. I know, like I said, like I wanted to talk about this issue because of the hyper time stuff, and I and I am excited about what, especially with like Wade coming back and what some of that could mean for like things moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. I I do get excited about the idea of that, but um, I I don't know. Just like on the whole, 
I do. Uh, I am more interested in like aspects of the story being told here than I am with Dark Crisis right now. I I think what I'll say is I I don't even think the highs of this are necessarily better than the highs of Dark Crisis. But Dark Crisis doesn't contain the the lows that this book has. And so in Dark Crisis is like thoroughly mediocre. Like, don't get me wrong. It's 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 thoroughly middle of the road. But it there are times when this book pisses me off actively. And I can't say that about Dark Crisis yet. Yeah. I would say that Dark Crisis is a very standard DC event book in that there is good stuff is happening and there is bad stuff that's happening, but the bad stuff is never like like the, the part in Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Smell of Fear, where no, the, the, the final insult, rather, the where um, where everybody slaps their forehead at once like that. That <laughs> hasn't happened yet in Dark Crisis. That happens every issue of Flashpoint Beyond. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 we're going to talk about uh, a Rob Liefeld book uh, soon, uh, and it's um, again patreon.com slash gc3cast. Yeah, I, I want to say that I almost prefer a book that makes me feel any emotion, even if it is discussed. Okay. Uh, but I can't say that because I'm going to, we're going to talk about a Rob Liefeld book, and I would rather not read that book. <laughs> you know, I would pick the most boring new 52 book over that probably but that is uh, the most boring new 52 <laughs> oh, maybe oh. um patreon.com slash ac3 cast but i mean i guess there are i think of like the people on the podcast i'm the one who probably has the most like fondness for flashpoint in general oh yeah 100 and, yes. and also really like elseworld type stuff you know like um which is what this is and what it's doing. Um, and I mean, like, no, I don't, I don't care at all about Thomas Wayne, Batman. I wish he was like, I always wanted a return to flashpoint, but it was, it's kind of like the, you know, it's the matrix meme. It's like, not like this, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but it, like, there are parts of it that are kind of what I always sort of imagined or wanted. And it sucks that like the Thomas Wayne stuff is part of it. Um, but then, then, but then there are flashes of like where, well, this is kind of cool to me. The, the idea, I really do like, I like the idea of like uh, this Superman building his fortress out of the green with with poison ivy and and Jason Woodrow as the Swamp Thing and uh. Uh, it's a it's a kryptonian like that like i said you know i said that that could be its own thing that would be a really fun elseworld to me those, those are the makings of a, a fun elseworld superman story and we we really just like don't get that kind of thing anymore and so maybe i'm just vibing on that a little bit sure i i understand that uh i i just don't think that this is good enough to justify that essentially well no I don't think so either. 
but it is what we have. And mm. I definitely am more interested to read the last three issues of this than I am to read the next few issues of uh, other things. All right. Well, let's take a break and let's uh, talk about those other things in just a minute. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, we are back with the discussion of Dark Crisis number two, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Daniel Sampier. Um, Zach had alluded to this in, in Lad's chat this week that this is basically doing all the Brian Nip things, and he's not wrong. We get Nightwing. We get uh, <laughs> Kyle Rayner. We get Black Adam. This is all. This is all Brian Nip. So I am. I am like preternaturally d- built to like this book uh, from just a sort of character standpoint, which is obviously not all of it. But you know, I I I I know going in, I'm going to have the highest opinion of anyone on this. I also know that Zach is probably going to have the lowest opinion of anyone on this. So I want to start with Vince, who, as usual, falls somewhere in between us to see <laughs> what he thinks of this book. Yeah, that's I mean, that's probably correct. I This is like a thoroughly OK. Comic and I you want more from that when it's. When you're talking about an event book, I think like I, I just I want something more to dig my teeth into. Um. And you just, you just, you just don't get it. You get so much surface level stuff. You get Nightwing fighting Deathstroke, and then you get a nonsensical reason why Deathstroke doesn't finish the job, you know? And it's because, uh, well, he can't for the comic to exist, right? Like, um, you get, yeah, you get Kyle Rayner uh, being uh, broken out of some space prison. I don't know. I believe Do we know the space why? prison we saw him in in Future State, I think. Okay, I, I don't remember that at all. Um, but you kind of get... It's kind of the most generic... Like, if I told you, write the most generic scene where Kyle Rayner is rescued by the rest of the Green Lantern Corps, it would be what we got in this comic. Um, I feel like there's no flavor to it. Um, there's nothing that demonstrates Kyle's character. And I know it's early. I know they like just broke him out, but like, I'm not excited by it yet. You know, (laughs) I, I need, I need something more to get excited about this. And I know that's the point of a final page tease, but like, it's again, it's just so on the surface to me. Um, and I know I don't have like the emotional connection to Kyle that you do, Brian, but like, I, I, I will say the Kyle part is probably the weakest part of the issue for me. 
Yeah. For the reasons that you say. Oh, man, that is also wild because it's the thing that got me hooting and hollering the most was the Green Lantern section. (laughs) And I I just want to say, I don't feel that differently than Vince. Like, I think I feel the same way that I agree with everything Vince just said. Yeah. And that, like, there's nothing wrong with this. Like, I, I'm reading it and I'm, I'm just nodding. I'm nodding along with it. It's like, it's like listening to a pop song on, on Top 40 Radio, that they, the same song they play every two hours, you know? Um, it's just, it's just so on the surface. Okay, so um, I am not going to spend the next 10 minutes defending why I think it's it's better than what you said, because ultimately, I think the reasons why I think it's better than what you said have already been established. These are like essentially Williamson is using some of my favorite characters in ways that I think are, if not like fantastic, certainly like perfectly cromulent, right? They, they, they are perfectly cromulent uses of these characters. There is nobody used in this book where I feel like there is a mischaracterization. So I, I, I don't have too much more to... You understand what I'm saying. I don't want to spend yeah. the whole time def- defending it. However, I will say a couple of things. I think that I go into event comics with an incredibly low bar for enjoyment, like I I cannot tell you the last DC event. I don't think there's been a DC event in the last decade that I have that has lived up to any expectation that I put on it. And so I have just I I have to say that this is not me being one of those like I don't even own a television kind of guys. Like it took me a long time to get to a place where I could not get like hyperbolically excited about a a DC event happening. But I've really sort of just cut off my expectations for those sorts of things. And I just try and take it as as it comes. And I think without thinking about this as like, I mean, as the number four solicits say, like a direct sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earth, if you don't, if I don't think of it that way, and I just think of it as sort of the next chapter in what Williamson has been building towards in his you know, in his run at DC so far, that I think that this is a perfectly enjoyable. I hate the phrase like popcorn comic for a lot of reasons, but we've used it in the show in the past. So I'll continue to use it like this. I think almost everything that happens in this book is perfectly fine. I think there's some stuff that's very good and some stuff that's maybe less than very good, but I don't think there's anything bad that happens here. I think that that scene with Nightwing and uh, and Deathstroke, you know, yes, predictable shit happens there. You know, he's not going to kill Dick Grayson in like the the second issue of this miniseries, where that's not at all the focus of the miniseries. You know, it's not going to happen. But it, I lo- it would have happened if it would have happened. If was there, that. yeah, Dio was there, it would have happened. Absolutely, but like you know, um, I. I just I love and we talked about this in the show in the past too the uh, Dick and John Kent relationship. So having John be the one to save the day there, I really like that. Love seeing Cyborg Superman show up. We got some time with some Teen Titans Academy folks. Like you know, again, like th- th- this is just this is I this doesn't need to be 
anything other than what this is to be perfectly fine for me as an event comic. I, I truly think what has hurt the DC three casts understanding of events. And I will put myself first on this list is that we got two crises in a row that were phenomenal in infinite crisis and final crisis, but never before in DC's history had there ever been two events of that magnitude that were good back to back. I think we got spoiled by it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong, but I also think it is just, it's also just diminishing returns because I don't know that we could ever do that again. And, and, but we keep trying, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, were you going to say be, something, Vince? I'll be really interested to see what the direct sequel to Christ's Infinite Earths. So that, so the, the, that is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, there. We should talk about this. So, in the solicits for Dark Crisis number four, it it doesn't say that that issue is a direct crisis, sequel to Crisis. It says that in many ways, Dark Crisis is a direct sequel to Crisis and Infinite Earths, and that something is going to be announced at San Diego Comic Con that's going to change the way that everyone is thinking about Dark Crisis. Yes. Well, that, I, I understand that the issue itself is not, but I, I feel like that is the issue where the. Oh, sure. Yes. Like you alluded yes. to that the turn happens. Right. Yes. There is going to be some sort of turn that happens that issue. One hundred percent. Yes. I agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited for that possibility. Um, that that is the thing that. You know, I'm hopeful, but it's also just like it's it's again like we we have been sold that bill of goods so many times. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just a little skeptical. Um, I, I think your skepticism is certainly earned. Um, yeah. You know, I also do think though, that right now seems like the time in D- in my time of active DC reading, this seems like the most open time for something truly nutty to happen that isn't an editorial like gimmick. Like the, just the existence of the new 52 is certainly a nutty thing that happened. Right. But I feel like right now, the way DC is structured, if Williamson went to, you know, whoever this week is the overseeing the Warner brothers, like executive overseeing DC comics. And he said, listen, I have this idea. I want to restore the pre crisis multiverse and i want that to be the setting for dc going forward that's not what he's doing by the way i'm just i'm I'm making something up i feel like at this point dc is more inclined to let him do that than they would have ever been before this and so i think that setting up that turn is more interesting to me than if the turn happened five years ago because i just don't think there's anything that could have happened five years ago that would have even approached what DC will allow to happen today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering what that could possibly be. Yeah, I know my, my unimaginative brain just like goes to 5g or like fifth world or, you know, something. And I, I would love for it to be just something that I can't even imagine, you know, or wouldn't right, even right. expect or think of. Um, but I think, 
I think the thing that gets me the most down about just a lot of this, you know, that in many ways, I think I'm finally coming around to where Vince is, where like, to me, Infinite Frontier is as big of a disappointment as Rebirth was in a lot of ways. And so much is just like, it, it wasn't a very, it, it was a status quo with a lot of promise and good ideas that were just really fumbled and poorly executed and uh, sure and a few good things came out of it but on the whole looking back on it it just feels kind of squandered and it still feels like you know in the midst of rebirth we had both of the metal events and and this and and uh, infinite frontier and dark crisis feels like the just the continual kicking of the can down the road that the metal events were until we can get to some kind of semi-revolutionary status quo and and i do agree with you brian that now feels like the time for it if it's ever going to happen because it seems like there's the least oversight or editorial uh driving than than there have ever than there's ever been at dc or you know in the last couple of decades but right right. it's just it's just kind of hard to get for me to get excited about it I, mean, I, I I will continue to. I'm sorry, Vince. I'll, I'll let you talk. Yeah, one second. Sure, sure, I, yeah, I, yeah. I I continue to push against the infinite crisis. I mean, infinite frontier rather is as unsuccessful as rebirth because I think that there's only one, maybe two, like areas of infinite frontier that have been truly bad, and there were way more instances of rebirth that was truly bad. But I would say the Wonder Woman books. Are the biggest failure of Infinite Frontier. I don't. I can't think of another book that is in continuity that is a like part of the Infinite Frontier larger story that I would say is anywhere near as bad as Wonder Woman. And Wonder Woman wouldn't be as bad as the worst thing in in Rebirth by a Long Shot. That's true, but that actually brings me to my point, which is uh, that I was going to make, which is um, I feel like the fact that there appears to be less editorial oversight right now is really leading to safer books. And for the most part, that for the most part, maybe that's a good thing because we don't need a lot of trash around. You're right, Brian, that like Wonder Woman is not as bad as the worst uh books of rebirth that's absolutely true um but in some ways it's it's way more safe than we would have liked than we thought it maybe would be coming sure, out of that is that is fair um yeah though i'll say i i also think that rebirth had also more boring books than we're getting here like i think i was reminded the other day when flipping through something i was like oh shit there was that benson's written birds of prey book that I totally memory hold and forgot about. Yeah. And I don't know if there's much in Infinite Frontier that's as boring as that was. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely like, I'm at the point with Infinite Frontier right now that I was like around the time of, uh, which I guess this was like technically post rebirth, but like, you know, kind of in the middle of the Snyder Justice League run where we stopped covering new books because everything was so boring. Sure. Uh, and I feel like I'm there with 
uh infinite frontier like even things that i was kind of excited about like the superman books um flash uh you know even most of that stuff i'm kind of just like i don't dislike it and when i read it i might enjoy it but i don't have an urge to keep up with it you know what i mean i understand that i also think that and we've talked about this in the past and there's no way to like measure this that I think that the way we interact with these comics is good for what we do here, but terrible for us as fans. Yeah. Maybe I'm not a fan anymore. <laughs> well, I, that could be because of the way we interact with these books. Um, sure. What I was going to say, uh, expanding upon my point about the, the editorial oversight and how safe everything is, is that my brain cannot imagine um, some interesting new status quo because I can't imagine it doesn't matter whether there's a strong editorial or not. I I can't imagine them taking that leap and then everybody organizing an an entire universe around it. You know what I mean? Well, Mm -hmm. the only thing, I mean, I think Wade could do it. We're also putting a lot of stock in Mark Wade, who is that's, not doing that much yet. At DC. Yes, that's exactly no, what that's he's exactly not doing what I was much, say. but it does sound like from where solicits and marketing have kind of been pointing is that he is kind of the. The next I, front runner, sort of, maybe I, 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 I hope so. I hope you're right. I wish somebody would come out and say that. I wish. Well, I, I feel like they have, have have as good as said it in some of the solicits. I really. So, so here, here, here is my thought with that. So um, you can all go and read the interview I did with Josh Williamson a couple of months ago, or a couple of weeks ago, rather, on multiversitycomics.com. In that interview, he said that Dark Crisis is the end of sort of his big like DC narrative in the way that death metal was the end of Snyder's big DC narrative. And he said, like, I have more work coming at DC, but it's not going to be. He didn't say like as central to the, to the overall sort of DC mythos, but that's kind of what I took from that. Like he's stepping back from being the guy running the event books. Right. And it seems like, I mean, like, you know, the, Wade is just positioned perfectly to be that guy for a couple of reasons, like just his pedigree at DC and his the celebratory nature of his return, which I I will say has actually been, I think, understated. I thought people would be going more ape shit for Wade coming back, but I think it, it happening like during the pandemic when there wasn't content. Like if if it's San Diego. Jim Lee was like, we have a friend joining us. It's a surprise. And it was Mark Wade. People would have lost their shit. But because it was just kind of it just kind of came out in the solicits, it wasn't as big of a deal for Wade to be back. But I I think Batman versus Robin is going to be interesting. And I think that that is going to lead us down the road to whatever the next big thing is. I just hope that they are giving Wade. Sort of the latitude to to tell the story, to tell as big a story as he wants to tell. Yeah. And I, I think we are getting way ahead of ourselves with that. I, he, he could just as easily be doing some walled off mini series or series of mini series. And then P 
peace I'll, out. I'll, like I'll try to find. I'll try to find the 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 solicit thing. Just okay. But I did want to say on to Brian's point about people losing their shit about it. I don't. I can't imagine anybody losing their shit about anything in Big Two Comics anymore because of the Bendis thing. Like the Bendis thing to me shows that like nobody gives a shit about comic books anymore, <laughs> even comic book fans. By saying the Bendis thing, do you mean? I mean, like but Bendis, Bendis is coming. coming to, Bendis is coming. Bendis right, is in right. DC, and it went over like I'm gonna come. <laughs> um, do not come. <laughs> I Thank think you, relax. Um, I really can't think of any. I mean, like, I guess like Alan Moore coming back to write for DC is like the only thing uh-huh. I can think of. You know what I mean? You know, like that's literally the only thing that's left. Hick- Hickman coming over. I, I even that. I think yeah. No, I mean, like some that's people, that's big someone deal. would. It's a big deal, but like Hickman has already like come back to Marvel like twice. You know? I also think the Hickman doing this Substack bullshit has softened the, yeah, has has made a le- has lessened the splash that would be made if he went over to DC right now. I I, I think see, so too. No, yeah. I think you guys are so underselling what a driver Hickman's X Men, uh, just entire concept was. I mean that changed. I think you really if, if if it was announced that he was coming over to do a similar thing at DC, it would be a big deal. I, I guess I just <laughs> listen to you guys. My God, I'm not saying it wouldn't be a big deal. I don't think people would react to it in a way that they would have five years ago. That yes, that's my point as well. well that's because nothing makes us happy anymore. Like, period. Like, there's nothing. Top Gun. That's it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, people still soy over the MCU, but I don't think uh, anybody is soying over any comics, any big two comics anymore. Yeah, I, I, I even feel like I'm seeing more MCU backlash than I'm seeing positive. I like, I yeah, mean, there, there are the absolute freaks that like go nuts, but look, p- part of that is. It's just that it's been around long enough now where people <laughs> people get tired of anything, right? Like anything, anything good will eventually get shit on if it's around long enough. because That's just what people do. Yeah. Um, but I also think that DC and Marvel did a really bad job in the teens of converting any new readers. <laughs> like, I really don't know who started reading comics in the 20 teens. I can tell you who started reading comics in the 2000s and the 90s and the 80s based on certain events being like, I mean, I think Crisis and Secret Wars each in the 80s were like huge cultural comic cultural shifts. And in the 90s, I think that there is enough the death of Superman, Nightfall, all these events that were like, that were gigantic in the 2000s civil war and uh you know a infinite crisis there are these these like tentpole books what was the last big book at either of the companies maybe accepting the hickman x books but even that i think people were really excited about that in concept but i don't know if if people were buying that to the degree that they would have if the, if it was 5 years earlier I, I just um, I just don't know. I can tell you that 
I can tell you that the people who started reading comics in the 2000s or the or the 2010s or whatever were yeah the 2010s were um people pirating the new 52 <laughs> we'll just leave it at that but are those people still reading comics now um they're probably still pirating comics now <laughs> not me uh but you know that's the that is the vibe i get like if you want to if if you want like um it's like the free comic sites it's the story times on like less than reputable websites you know um i do think that's taken a big dent in things Com- comics are seen as disposable or or not worth you know the five dollars that you pay for the for the privilege these days and I, uh, I really i really think that has a lot to do with it yeah well i think a lot i don't want to undermine anybody's work but like they're kind of not <laughs> <laughs> they also weren't intended to be like comics were supposed to be a disposable medium yeah but and it's the i mean it's like the collector's market that kind of ruins that and fucks that up but like i mean i do want all these creators to get paid a like good wage because they do really good work especially the artists you know but like yeah i mean just the concept of a four or five dollar 30 page magazine is like Mm -hmm. (laughs) i still think about it like uh, as someone who still does collect some physical comics and it's just like man what a money pit. <laughs> what a horrible yeah. hobby this is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I don't mean um, to be like the um the uh millennial shamer because I too am I'm a what's called the geriatric millennial, which is a fucking horrible term, but like I don't think it's terrible to spend five bucks on a comic when I routinely spend five bucks on a cup of coffee. Yeah, but they're both neither one disposable i think in a lot of ways i don't know about that either i think for the most part i I guess it depends like if you're someone who goes back and rereads a lot of your floppies maybe uh but if you're just like a compulsive idiot like me who likes a run and wants to have the whole thing even even if i'm never going to read it again like that you know yeah but you're i mean you're not wrong coffee well coffee should cost a lot social comics yeah oh that's 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 different from what the column on your website says but okay yeah you Uh, (laughs) 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 so now it's my website is that the name of it now comics should cost a lot no well here here's my here's my point I, I think that if like Zach is saying it, it correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, I am inferring that you're saying coffee should cost a lot because of the process that it goes through to get to you. That yeah. someone should be paid a fair price for picking the bean and roasting the bean and shipping it to your local coffee shop. And that person grinds it, et cetera, et cetera, that that should cost a lot of money. The problem is that if you're buying it from a chain, which I think many people do, and, the, and no offense to chain coffee places, you know, I buy plenty of coffee from them, but like the, that money is not going to those people. That's it, true. Yeah. And so I would say the thing about comics, like if I was, if I were to pay $10 for Dark Crisis number four, 
but I knew that everyone who was listed in the credits got at least a dollar of that comic purchase, I would be more okay with spending $10 on a comic because it's going to the people who I want it to go to and it's not going to WB's or now it's the Discovery's bottom line. Well, this is this all too comes down to like I don't I don't disagree with you, but like uh, uh, so much of like where the money goes is that like in in any like retail consumer like scenario is just like so obfuscated from us that we like it, it, it's it's impossible. Sure. Um, but like. Just comparing, like, it's almost difficult to compare, like, comics to coffee because, like, within, like, coffee is in a different industry that, and its price is pretty comparable to the other things around it, you know, in terms of, like, what you're getting. But with, um, especially like American comics, you know, like monthly comics, comparing it to other things like manga. Well, no, I'm not going to just say manga. I want to also like compare it to like, like print, like other print media, like books and, and things that you, things that are filling the, the role of like reading as entertainment, like that, that area, like, a, a a floppy comic costs four dollars on average and takes about like five minutes to read probably you know and compare that to yes manga which like takes about as long to read sometimes shorter but is drastically like the cost to entertainment ratio is well i guess I'm falling into like a fallacy of like entertainment as like length of time versus like the actual thing you get from it, which is not always true. Like just because something is longer doesn't make it better. Let me also but, just but say like that... a book, uh, but like a book, which is more expensive, but can take like dozens of hours to read. You know what I mean? Right. But but to to to, to send a sort of, you know, fighting as your point here is that an issue of Us Weekly, I just looked it up, costs six dollars. And that is the most comparable to a comic book. That is a something you buy at the when you're waiting in line at the supermarket and you know you, you pick it up for you, you put it down and you don't even think about how much it costs because you're just gonna read it on the on the shitter or in the doctor's office or whatever. That that costs six dollars. And I would while say I'm that driving. <laughs> while you're driving and jerking off, yeah. Um, oh wow, okay. Uh, but I, well, I would argue I'm probably wrong, but in my mind, like that that form of media is even more dead than oh no it, it probably is books, you know what i mean like because yes, all sure. of that stuff is online but, but my point know? is that the, the, and this is this is no offense to the people who write for us weekly i'm sure many of them are good people who just need a gig right but i feel like the amount of craft that goes into dark crisis number two versus the july 1st edition of us weekly can't even be compared Oh, sure. No, you're I don't disagree with you at all. And I really think like where I'm going this with with this in general is like something I've been harping on for years is that like (laughs) everyone should get paid a good wage for the work that they're doing, which is often very good work. 
but like print comics should stop. We should, it should all be digital and we should have print trades. Like that's that I, I've been thinking that forever. Like that's just my view of the industry, but yeah. Uh, but I don't know if that would like, I don't know if that would be sustainable because like, I still don't even know if like enough digital comics would sell to, for the creators to be compensated appropriately and for it to be a like sustainable enterprise. If you can't tell, I'm pretty down on the future of uh, comic books. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I think that there are certain there are certain indicators of the way things are going that are pretty good in terms of getting good comics, not in terms of the industry, but like sure. I think that webtoons, yeah, is a positive, and that's not brand new. You know, I know we've just started talking about it on the show because of the DC connection, but like, and there's two new webtoons DC comics coming out soon too, so. There'll be more to talk about with that. But I think that's a really positive development. I think them doing more like middle grade slash young adult OGNs on these characters is a good way to tell the story. I think the fact that books like Dark Crisis sell really well in trade is a good future for this thing. Like, I think maybe DC limits the things that it publishes in print and, you know, Action Comics and Batman, all those are digital, but Dark Crisis is in print. Maybe, yeah. You know, maybe that could be. Um, a I mean, the one that what I will say though is like I never want that to happen because I want there to be comic shops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there's the needle that they've been constantly trying to thread, right? Because yeah. so much of that, so much of that is what keeps their business alive, and yet at the same time. It's not good for expansion of their business, right? Right. It's it's so weird because, um, because here's what I think. So, you, you we, the three of us, are talking about five dollar co- comics as if they're prohibitively expensive, and in relative terms, for us, they're not. Now, if we read as much as we've always read, like if we were buying like we bought. 10, 15 years ago, they probably would be prohibitive. We'd have to be choosier, right? Right. Uh, and also, we should mention, like, uh, just off the bat, like, we are three, you know, men in our in our nearing middle of age. Of a certain age. Of a certain age, who who have good jobs and can afford to be, have disposable income go to comics. Whereas there's lots of folks that the readers they probably really want to get do not have the same amount of disposable income that we have. Yes. And, and we're not rich people. We're not rich guys. I'm just saying we are just we are financially Zach, OK. Well, he, Zach, well, he's, well, we're not. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, but but yeah, like to to expand their market, um, they need more people who cannot essentially afford five dollars an issue at a time. Right. That's just that especially in this uh, climate, but even even if you're talking just a few years ago, just would not be able to happen, right? We're talking about young people that can't, even if they could seek it out, they can't buy it in the volume that the publishers essentially need them to, I think. And so then they have comic book shops where you get the people who reliably are coming every Wednesday and have a pull list and are spending 50, a hundred dollars a week or a month 
on comics consistently and it thrives on that and the speculation and the, the variant covers. Right. But that is keeping your business afloat. Even if you'd like to like transfer to something else, right. Even if they wanted to go to an all digital thing, like Zach is suggesting, even if they wanted to pare down and like, all right, we're going to do the Shonen Jump thing where, uh, you know, not the subscription based thing, but like the anthology thing, is the anthology part? thing or like yeah. or like a chapter is 99 cents or whatever. Right. It's, it's going to be it's going to be a little more spare, you know, but it's you know, the, it's going to be cheap. And but then that abandons the niche retail market entirely. What, 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 what sucks is like the retail market is already like like that they operate on such my understanding is they operate on such thin margins oh it's razor thin with, I would presume. with comics and it is it's like such a like month to month like gamble and like so many shops have had to transit like uh, I feel like there are almost no just like sole comic shops anymore because they're all like comics and like collectible shops. You know, it's like there with the Funko Pops and, and, uh, yeah, and Pokemon cards and, and yeah, 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 card games. You know, like other stuff that are a bit more um, financially lucrative. Yeah, to support the comic side. Um, well, he, he, here's a question for you, Zach. So when DC went uh day and date digital with the new 52 people saw that as like this was going to kill the comics industry yeah and it didn't obviously it barely no, if anything made... it's probably like been a net positive i would assume but right. I, I can't know that do you think that how can i say this do you think that dc would ultimately be better off saying all digital comics are 99 cents from now on would that get more people to switch from print to digital or are the print folks already so ensconced at this point that they're going to go with their print comics no matter what. And then you could use digital as a more affordable way in for people. I do think that um, I do think that because for one, I think there are already like a pretty decent number of people who are already buying digitally exclusive just because they yes. prefer it or they don't have a comic shop or whatever. Or they're running out of space in their houses and their <laughs> wives or husbands or significant others are getting mad at them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the people who want to buy print are going to keep buying print. And, and I also like from my experience, like when I was buying stuff digitally, I would often just wait that extra month for it to drop a dollar or like right, right. $2 and get it then. So like if it was just going to be like $1.99 or 99 cents, like on day one, I would be way more likely to buy that as it's coming out um and maybe you would pick up more people like that again like they're just no one is transparent with their digital numbers um but the other thing in this conversation too is just like it's not just like comic shops that are on the chopping block like all retail like yes, brick yeah. and mortar stores are and it's kind of almost like a miracle that comic shops even exist because can you like are there any other like niche stores like that that cater to such a small audience 
but still exist on like a pretty wide scale. I would say um, there are there are less maybe hobby- like record stores. I guess record be, stores, yeah. board board game stores, hobby shops. I guess. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but but I think even those things like those are there's probably less of those. Uh, there, there's probably more record stores than there are comic stores, right? Probably, yeah. But in terms music of like, is more ubiquitous, like right or and, more and, mainstream, yeah. And also, I feel like people still give music as gifts sometimes uh-huh and it's easier to walk into a record store and say i have a 12 year old niece what does she like sure than it is to go to a comic store and ask the same question yeah because the people who are buying comics as gifts are going to like a barnes and noble or exactly like a, you know yes. a big a big book chain or something yeah exactly or just going to amazon or something yeah, um, yeah. which is funny because like amazon now has a corner on the comics market too because they own comicsology yep. um yeah, I don't know. This is a weird tangent that we went on. It is. Well, uh, before we get off, I do, do want to say Daniel Sampier's art is really good. In this oh, issue. it's so good. It is really good. Oh, I have the perfect capper, though. Okay. Uh, I know that this is not who it is, but oh, would that it could be. If you go to the last page of Dark Crisis number two, and you look at the Green Lantern, who is uh, to the right of Guy Gardner, and don't you wish that could be our boy Frank Leminski? <laughs> <laughs> that is the um, that is the thing from issue four that will change the way that you look at <laughs> Dark Crisis. Yeah. You're finally bringing Frank Leminski back. Yeah. Oh, and Jess is still a Green Lantern. I'm I'm hot. Well, so dude about it. Um, let me just say. There's a rumor that there's going to be a Green Lantern one shot coming out soon that will answer some of those questions. Okay. There is the that, rumor. There is the world without the Green Lantern thing. Is that no, it's something it's else. Something I else. Yes. Okay. Yes. Man, mm-hmm. I just want a new Green Lantern book so badly. I so I I think you're gonna see very few new books announced until after Dark Crisis. Is I over. think you're probably right. Um so it's funny. Uh, in the I'm sorry to interrupt you, Zach. In the uh solicit for i guess it's action comics in september it's talking about like it i I made fun of it in today's soliciting column i want to get the exact wording right it's something like the start of the march to issue 1050 Uh and like that's four issues away like it's it's a crazy turn of phrase but so that would be october like january i think is issue 1050 and that's after Dark Crisis is over. I feel like that is you're going to see almost the entire line shaken up at that point. And so I, I, I would expect I'd a new Green comic it. in January, I think. I, uh, I'm just more and more realizing how much I actually like do like <laughs> when when there's a good Green Lantern book in the DCU, I'm a I'm a happy boy. Uh, <laughs> and when there's not, I'm. I'm just a grump. Yeah. I, I think I'm probably the same way. Well, uh, that does it for this week's show. Thank you all for listening. We appreciate it. Um, Vincey, what comes out next week? Uh, hang on. I just got to back up here. Next week being 712. Yes. All right. Batgirls number eight, Batman Urban Legends 17, Dark Crisis, World Without a Justice League, Superman number one. DC versus Vampires Coffin Edition number one. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> that that's where the, the book is so boring it puts you into an eternal sleep, uh, and then it comes to the coffin for you to fall into. 
there's a coffin edition and there's a crypt edition. It's like Pokemon Red and Blue. Ah, there should be a snowman edition. <laughs> right, Brian? Yes. I gave you all the clues. You could have saved her. <laughs> oh, that uh, reminds me of something that I want to talk about after this episode. Okay. Oh, okay. Write it down someplace so we don't forget. Okay. All right. Um, uh, Future State Gotham 15. I am Batman 11. Naomi season two, number five, the rogues, number three, Superman, son of Kal-El, number 13, Wonder Woman, 789, Wonder Woman, evolution, number eight. Well, that will certainly be a week of comics. <laughs> oh, OK. Here, you want to know what the difference between the coffin and the crypt edition is? Sure. Not really. I don't know why DC is doing this. So I think. It's taking a million years to load, but I think the coffin edition is a collection of issues one through three and the crypt edition is issues four through six. Oh, well, that's clear. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thank, thank God that we. Uh... <laughs> Jeez. Not why why can't all. people get into these things? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly what it is. Boy. I mean, it does say it what they are on the cover, but it is still just like dumb as hell. I don't know. Yeah. I'm the snowman. Oh, all right. Well, if you need to find two thirds of us on Twitter, I'm at Brian is an app and I'm at the Wolk of Z. If you need to find Vince, I was going to make another snowman joke because it's just <laughs> you and I are still texting about this stupid <laughs> song weeks later. Um, but instead, I will say that uh, Vince is uh, making some of the world's greatest uh, AI art uh, and keeping it just to himself and his small circle of friends, not putting it out onto the Internet in any way. Yeah, I, w- I wish mine was I wish mine was good. You, you, you've had some it's, very good ones. I'm no Johnny Hall. No, Johnny Hall is, I mean, Johnny Hall is just a, at a different level from all of us. But A, a savant. Uh, yes, the, absolutely. A, a, the Salvador Dali of Dali, <laughs> one would say. Uh, there we go. I like that. Um, I was going to make fun of you for your pizza pan, but I decided I it. knew you were going to do that. <laughs> God, you fucker. <laughs> we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. <laughs> Everybody's looking around like, oh, what's this guy's deal?